0: We really focus on how can we make young people who live in these communities and who are going to be in these communities leaders. And so then they can then encourage other people in their communities to be leaders and and really have that lasting impact beyond the election.
1: Hello, this is The Great Battlefield Podcast. I'm Nathaniel G. Perlman. A great political battle is being fought right now between progressives and the forces of reaction on the other side. This show is about the political entrepreneurs and other progressive leaders who are finding new or improved ways to fight. My guest today is Ava Mateo, Executive Director of 18 by Vote. 18 by Vote is a nonpartisan, youth-led, nonprofit organization that helps 16-, 17-, and 18-year-olds vote. We had a good conversation about how she came to be executive director at a quite fitting young age and what they are up to at her organization. So, after a quick word from my sponsor, my interview with Ava at 18 by Vote. Ava, would you mind introducing yourself and giving me a quick biography?
0: Absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me. My name is Ava Mateo. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm the executive director of 18 by Vote. 18 by Vote is an entirely youth-led, nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that is really focused on helping 16, 17, and 18-year-olds understand how, when, and why to vote. I also uh, just studied sociology and education at Teachers College at Columbia University, and that really kind of informs a lot of my work. I'm a big advocate for youth liberation in society and finding ways um, for young people's voices to be front and center in civic and social and political spaces, and really just working on on empowering young people to, to make their voices heard in any way that they find is the most productive way for them to do
1: it. Did you come out of a political background growing up?
0: Actually, not so much. I grew up in upstate New York, and um, I really was pretty apathetic in high school. Um, I really felt that um, I just kind of thought that politics were not really my issue or just weren't really a big thing for me. I grew up during the Obama administration when I think a lot of particularly more liberal leaning people were pretty politically apathetic. Um, And so I actually did not. Um, I come from a background in education. Uh, I actually um, studied progressive education and education policy in college. So I actually come at this work with a more of an educational perspective than a political perspective and really enjoy connecting with people who do come from that political background, because I think that it really allows us to work with young people in in more meaningful ways.
1: I saw that you went to Sarah Lawrence for undergrad. How was that?
0: I loved it. <laughs> I really love Sarah Lawrence. So it's a very like make your own adventure environment. So Sarah Lawrence was a really incredible place uh, to just really like gain a firm understanding of myself and my own interests. Um, and also kind of a great understanding of the world and kind of the the incredible complexity of uh because everything is so interdisciplinary there, everything you study can be integrated like. Within, I mean, when you take an anthropology class, it actually has psychology and and sociology and and just really incorporates um, so many aspects of the world that it really allows you to look at things in a in a deeper way. And you start taking classes like that from a from the first year that you're there. So it's just immediately kind of an eye-opening experience. The other thing that I'll say that was one of my favorite things is that it really taught me to speak with people who think differently than I do, which is interesting. All of the courses are pretty much Socratic seminars. So it's really discussion-based and really kind of how do you form your own opinion, but also discuss that with people who have different opinions than yourself. And those aren't necessarily political opinions, but I think that it lends itself well to then having conversations with people who think differently in terms of politics.
1: I remember it used to be a women's college. What's the male-female ratio there these days?
0: In the 1960s, I believe it became co-ed, but it is still majority women identifying people. Um, at this point, it's also largely it has a very large, um, LGBTQ queer non-binary population as well. So it's kind of hard to actually say the actual demographics of the school <laughs> in terms of traditional kind of the way that you would look at demographics. It was pretty much like 70, 30, um, 70% women and 30% men.
1: My wife, having gone to Wellesley, it often talks to me about the virtues of a women's school. I was just curious. Tell me about your path after college
0: so i actually graduated from college in 2020 and i actually jumped right into a master's program and so i had known i actually before uh joining the 18 by vote team I wanted to go into education policy. Um, and so that that was kind of my idea in pursuing this. I had studied, I studied abroad in Amsterdam actually while I was in college. And that was the first time that I had ever experienced sociology and education together. And it was the first time where I was like, wow, this is how I understand the world. Like this is incredible. I love learning like this with the combination of, of thinking about society and social structures in relationship to education um, and so then, uh, my senior year, I knew that that's what I wanted to pursue after college. And then, uh, my path has kind of strayed from there, <laughs> but I still am able to really bring in a lot of that, that knowledge into my work, um, today.
1: So how did you happen across, uh, 18 by vote? Were you part of the founding team or did you come along later?
0: I came along later. Uh, 18 by Vote was founded in 2017 in Boston by a group of people who just noticed really low youth voter turnout and wanted to take action. We transitioned to youth leadership in 2018. And actually, the person, the first youth executive director um, was a friend of mine from high school, Jasmine Kay. Jasmine and I knew each other um, from the age of 10 where we used to do theater together. (laughs) Um, And during the pandemic, in the midst of the summer of 2020. We were both uh, in our hometown, and I was looking for a way to get involved and to take action ahead of the 2020 election. Um, And she was about to launch a educational program. And so it kind of worked out wonderfully. And so I got involved through the launch of 18 by Votes' first educational um, program.
1: So that's right. So you were on as a staff member first. Tell me about that. Like, what, what was it? Like to kind of work for this enterprise before you become the ED?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's a pretty incredible opportunity because we are an entirely youth led organization. We do have an, a board that has diverse ages. Uh, but in terms of our staff, we are everyone has been the entire time I have been involved has been 24 or younger. And I brought my kind of history with. Uh, Youth empowerment and working with young people to our educational program. Everything was very self-directed. We launched a program. We had never um, run a kind of formalized program before. The program involved 25 young people from across the country, from 13 different states. And basically, we brought them together in the middle of the of the pandemic, ahead of the 2020 election, and we brought them together to learn about civics, learn about ways to be involved, but really to help them kind of find ways to engage their community. And so I was incredibly empowered by the opportunity to lead that program. I've worked with nonprofits a lot in in, both through internships as well as volunteering. And so it was really exciting to really be immediately, uh, we really have a distributed leadership model. So immediately it felt like I was in a position of leadership within the organization.
1: There are simply numerous organizations that work to get people to vote. You may have run across some of them. What's different about you guys?
0: Yeah. Um, So we, as far as we know, are actually the only entirely youth-led, nonpartisan organization that focuses on getting young people to vote. Um, So we are... um, First of all, everyone on our team, as I just said before, is under the age of 24. Um, And so we really uh, operate with a peer-to-peer model. Everything that we do is young people reaching out to young people, and that really informs the design of our programming, but also just really encompasses every part of our work. We are entirely youth-led and peer-to-peer operated, but we also operate in a nonpartisan way, and most youth-led organizations do not. And so that's really what sets us apart, is that we work with young people to get them registered and prepared and excited to vote. We don't generally inform them about candidates in particular. We will connect them with resources that will share more information about candidates, but the majority of youth-led organizations I uh, really focus on outreach through a partisan lens. What we've actually found is that, and this has actually been backed by data, is that uh, young people prefer to be reached out in a nonpartisan way. So we're really excited about that, especially as we move into the 2020 to midterm elections, to really kind of find ways to include young people in meaningful ways in a nonpartisan outreach, because I think young people just in general are really disenchanted with partisan politics.
1: How big of a team do you have?
0: So um, over the past year, we've had a super small team. It's only been myself, I've been the full-time employee, and then we have a couple of interns and part-time employees. By the end of 2022, we are growing, which is super exciting. We just hired two new full-time people. And so we're going to have an internal team of approximately eight young people. And then we have we will be having 18 young people from six different states who will be joining us for a kind of a short-term um, program ahead of the election.
1: Where do you find funding for your team?
0: In the past, we have really been uh, supported by individual donations. That has been the majority of our funding. This year, we are expanding and growing, and that's really, really exciting. But that is really largely due to a grant that we received by the Progressive Turnout Project, actually. And they really invested in us, and it's going to be a transformational um, opportunity that they gave us uh, to really be able to run the program that we want to run this Year.
1: I've talked to someone at the Progressive Turnout Project. I remember that they'd raised tens of millions of dollars so it's good to see where some of it's going. Do they fund other peer groups do, do you know who else that they might be helping out or
0: I don't I can't remember specifically the names they generally have a focus on kind of like state-based organizations or community-based organizations so we're a little unique in the fact that we're a national organization. It was through this this specific program, which was the Turnout Grants, where they funded both C3 and C4 organizations.
1: You work on having young people reach out to young other young people. Tell me specifically how you do that.
0: Yeah. Um, so in the past, we've really done this. We do this through paid programming. So we basically, we will hire and train young people to learn how to be uh catalysts for civic action in their communities. So we help them understand power mapping, like where does power lie in their communities? We help them understand where kind of their community moves and and lives and where can they reach members of their community that they're not generally involved with. And we also help them with like, thinking about how do you have a conversation with someone when you're registering them to vote or you're educating them about an election. So what if a young person says to you, you know, oh, like I don't want to vote or my vote doesn't matter? Like how do you respond to that? And so we that's a really big part of our training is we practice with those conversations. And then we also do a lot of work on helping young people talk to people who think differently than them, because we think that that is one of the biggest issues in our democracy right now is just the intense divide in communication and the lack of communication between people with different ideas and opinions. And so really giving young people the tools to have those conversations, we really hope is going to have a lasting impact on, on the future of democracy.
1: People I've talked to who work on how to scale this kind of program often do that with technology they sit on the back of texting applications or relational organizing applications or any of a kind of wide array of things that volunteers can use or paid staff can use to go quicker to target who their reach out is to what do you guys do in that regard
0: so we take a relational organizing perspective, we focus entirely on what we identify as sustainable methods of engagement. So what we identify as sustainable methods of engagement are young people talking to young people. So a text may reach a young person, but it's not as likely to actually get a young person to vote as a person to person conversation. We do a lot of having young people just stationed in communities or hosting events and getting people to show up. And really having that person-to-person conversation, getting them to register, getting their information so we can contact them and let them know about election reminders and those kinds of things. But we also are actually super excited this year to use this tool that was designed by Ballot Ready and Rise, which is a tool that allows people to text uh, individuals who are in their contacts Um like through kind of like an automated system, but it allows them to actually have a conversation and it's with someone that they know. So it's a, it's really like an ultimate relational conversation. Whereas like, there's kind of like peer to peer relational texting, but it's random numbers. It's not. Well, there are,
1: there are actually ones that also let you, that help you go after your own contacts. There
0: are. So we haven't used those in the past. And a lot of our peer groups don't use those as well. But I think that this year, um, especially because there's been new rules with texting and the ability to text random contacts, I think that that is going to be really increasing this year.
1: I know Ballot Ready. Um, what is RISE?
0: So, RISE yeah. is a student led organization that is really their main focus is about advocating for free college. But they also do a lot of work with voting and on college campuses, getting young people uh, activated around. Political issues.
1: There's quite an ecosystem that exists on the progressive side that I cover generally, um, that ranges from very partisan to nonpartisan, often based on tax category, and also on the conservative side. and And then there's you know people who who work on a nonpartisan basis. We are in a time at least by my estimation, where one party is really kind of diseased, the Republican party, and it has a lot of leadership that have been unwilling to accept the results of a national election, which is a basic thing in democracy and everything else that you're well aware of. How do you stay nonpartisan in a time like this when so much is at stake in elections that may not be undoable by just another election?
0: So we strongly believe in human rights, and that's how we operate. We believe that the UN has determined specific rights that are that are granted to humans. So we tend to align with those. We really focus on um, on addressing issues that young people care about as well. So, you know, in our opinion, basically, and in my opinion, a lot of issues that are actually rights-based issues and just like basic humanity have been politicized. (laughs) And that's not really our problem. Young people like care about addressing gun violence. Young people they overwhelmingly support abortion. And that is actually across partisan lines within youth populations. And so we really don't feel that political parties have to determine issue. They obviously are incredibly (laughs) intertangled and and entangled And and there's really, it's been increasingly hard to be nonpartisan in our day-to-day operations, but the way that we really kind of rationalize it to ourselves and also to our C3 status is that these are issues that young people care about and these are human rights. And it's not our fault that they're being politicized because they haven't been politicized in the past for some of them at least.
1: So what do you think would be different if you were able to say register and help youth vote at the same levels? as older people which they currently are far lower what do you think would be different in the country if that were the case
0: in terms of like policies or in
1: terms of what results would be of voting for one thing even when you just vote it does change something about you internally i think it's a responsibility and a privilege of citizenship myself however you vote that you that you go do it but you know what do you think would be the impact if you would achieve the goals that you've set for yourself yeah
0: I think that I uh, young people's priorities would be much <laughs> represented at a much higher rate in in policies I mean young people do tend to lean progressive um and they do tend to think particularly about social issues in more progressive ways um so I think that uh progressive agendas would most likely increase. But I think that that doesn't necessarily have to do with Democrats and Republicans, if that makes sense. like I think that young people are kind of looking to support candidates that maybe don't fall within those two parties. I think even maybe like rank choice voting would, if young people voted at the same rate as as the rest of the population, I think we would see increased opportunities to vote for people with diverse ideas.
1: Do you think that there are people to vote for who aren't part of one party or the other? I haven't seen too many of these people.
0: <laughs> well, I think that um, they are forced to be within a party, but it doesn't mean that they would be if they didn't have to be. I think that's what I would say.
1: There does seem to be a de from parties among young people. It's been going on increasingly for many years. I think it is leading people like you to speak the way you do about parties because people are turned off by them to some extent at every age, but more so among young people. But parties are really just vehicles for candidates. Help me understand that that feeling among people like you or people like your peers.
0: Yeah. I think that it's almost that parties are restricting rather than kind of opening up ideas that what happens is because someone has to align with a party and because we only have a two-party system, there aren't as many different ideas entering the space because people have to conform to the what the party's more likely to support. So I think that's like a big thing is that um like even for example, like we had in New York City, we had ranked choice voting for the first time. And we have the most diverse progressive city council that we've ever had and the most women that we've ever had. And because that was largely because people were allowed to to vote for candidates that maybe they didn't think would win against a, a Republican opponent, for example, but it was really able to kind of diversify um, how people uh, garnered support. I also think that just by demonstrating support, by having the opportunity for young people to demonstrate that these are the things that they care about within elections, that helps move agendas in 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 various ways as well and so I think that that's something that young young people just feel like in every in both Democrats and Republicans that their issues are not being addressed at least the young people that I have spoken with and and continue to speak with they really feel that there's a massive lack of action and that the political parties aren't doing anything to address that the two party system is not doing anything to address that
1: frankly one party stopping a lot of that action. The thing that kind of concerns me a lot about small groups is the problem is so large trying to register and get people to vote. We're talking about millions of people, even in the category that you've picked. How could I understand your impact through your organization? Is it a drop in the bucket? Is it a teaspoon? What's the scale of what you guys are up to at this point? And what's your aspiration?
0: I would say it's hard to measure. (laughs) Um, We definitely are a growing organization. For example, this year, we are aiming to reach 180,000 young people in meaningful, sustainable ways from August until November. So we're looking to meaningfully touch those people through a peer-to-peer interaction.
1: Is that in the six states that you have on your website? Yes,
0: correct. Arizona,
1: Florida, Wisconsin, Georgia, Nevada, Pennsylvania. Correct. Yeah.
0: Yes. And so the way that we operate because we are a small organization is that we are choosing these kind of target states. I and that's kind of the way that we see that we can have the most impact is by really kind of specifying where we're working, as well as targeting even specific places within those states to target. Also, the reason for those states um, is based on the Yessi Index at the Circle Center at Tufts, um, which basically identifies states where young people could have the most impact on elections. And so that's that's kind of the way that we're thinking is that we can really help young people make their voices heard in a meaningful way through that. Based on that data, even within the states, we've done uh, we're doing analyses to identify states that have um, uh, lower civic engagement rates and lower access to broadband and those kinds of things to really find where our our work could have the most sustainable impact. Because that's the other thing is that we're really focused on like how do we make young people civic leaders. A lot of organizations are focused on get out the vote, just like we're going to bring volunteers in, they're going to register voters, and then we're going to leave. Instead, we really focus on how can we make young people who live in these communities and who are going to be in these communities leaders. And so then they can then encourage other people in their communities to be leaders and and really have that lasting impact beyond the election.
1: I saw the name of your organization in a consortium of groups that were doing something recently.
0: Was it the Organized for Democracy Collective?
1: Yeah. What is the Organized for Democracy Collective?
0: So the Organized for Democracy Collective um, is an is a coalition of uh, youth-centered or young people-centered groups uh, that are really basically, we're we a part of a lot of coalitions. That's a really big, strong thing that young people have been using to really spread opportunity and also garner support and really just make sure that we're not duplicating what other people are doing. And instead we're supporting and uplifting each other. And so the Organized for Democracy Collective is one example, and it's basically a group of organizations that are focused on on prioritizing voting rights and access to voting. And in some of the organizations, they specifically are, are supporting uh, candidates that Uh, identify those issues as some of their campaign promises.
1: So it's inevitable that the executive director of your group would be young. I guess that's the rule, right? Tell me about leading an, an enterprise when you're less than 24, I assume. What have you learned about it? What kind of things have you learned about leadership, about managing, about trying to have impact in the world?
0: And I'm 23, by the way. I'll be 24 <laughs> soon. It has been an incredible learning experience for me. I have always liked leading. I'm very administratively strong. I've been finding that that is incredibly valuable in a position of leadership. I think that um, that's not something you always think that is important to leadership, but I think that that really helps me, especially in a small organization. But I would say some of the biggest challenges is really getting people to take a young person seriously. It's been interesting to accept that I am the executive director and that I am in charge of the, the strategic initiatives and operations of the organization. But I feel really grateful because we have an incredible board that really supports youth driven work and youth led work. And so without them, I would not be able to be in this position. They have been incredibly valuable to the success of our work so far. But yeah, I think that it's really exciting and amazing to have this opportunity at my age. But what the thing that I've been enjoying the most is really supporting my team in changing the ways that they think about workplaces. So as a youth led organization, we I really as the leader am able to determine kind of what it means to be an employee of 18 by vote what it means to work with 18 by vote and you know really focusing on mental health and prioritizing mental health and with the knowledge that if young people first of all are massively struggling with mental health based on the pandemic and just all of the crazy things that are happening in the world a lot of young people are struggling with mental health but also I think everyone does and so how do we as young people, be the the catalyst for change in the workplace and for prioritizing someone's personhood over their pro- productivity. And I think that that actually then leads to increased productivity. And we actually like get things done really efficiently and really quickly. I'm really working on building this open communication and um, inclusive environment.
1: So no beatings.
0: No, (laughs) definitely not.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, given the example of some of our leaders recently, have you thought about trying to seize power past the age of 23 by changing the rules by, I mean, why don't you just refuse to go? That seems like the style of the times.
0: So we actually don't have any rules that are um, saying that anyone has to be below the age of 24. It's just happened to be. <laughs> oh,
1: dang it. So you,
0: <laughs> it's, I think youth led. So you're integrity. already
1: denying that there's a rule, right? That's, that's the first <laughs> yeah, step.
0: Exactly. <laughs> we have been a very, very small organization. And my ultimate goal is to, uh, as the executive director, is to build the sustainability of the organization so it can exist without me. And so that I can then at probably at the age of 27 or 28 past the organization ah, to so you've another.
1: already extended your term I see because you
0: <laughs> so you're yeah. gonna
1: count a 27 year old is still young
0: yes well um the in terms of it's actually a very interesting thing um the term youth because I uh, it has so many different definitions some people define it. Uh, 16 to 23. Some people define it 18 to 29. Some are 18 to 35. And so particularly within the political space, the 18 to 35 range is oftentimes what people mean by youth. But for us, uh, we really think of uh, youth as generally under the age of 26, but also under the age of 29.
1: I can't see where I fit into that. (laughs) But I am hanging out with my 83-year-old father, so I feel quite young lately. But yes. There you go. (laughs) Is there a question, Ava, that I haven't asked you that I should have?
0: Hmm. I'm not sure.
1: Well, what else would you like people to know about 18 by vote?
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely uh, we pay young people. That's a big thing is that we're paying young people to be involved with our organization. So I think that that, that'd be a cool thing to talk about something that political organizations in particular haven't done.
1: <laughs> How much do you pay?
0: We pay them minimum wage or we pay them $15 an hour, 15 to $25 an hour is kind of the, the range that we pay young people.
1: If someone wants to get involved, whether it is as a paid staffer or adjunct, are they interns? Are they Staff? Are they volunteers? Are they paid volunteer?
0: We have civic leaders and then we have civic organizers. In the past, we've also had civic fellows. Um, And so basically we have like these different, it's all based on what program we're running. The civic leaders are involved with us in a longer term scale. So they're involved for like a couple of months. And the civic organizers just kind of work with us for an event or two.
1: I think if you put civic in front of almost anything, it sounds pretty good. (laughs) I would agree. (laughs) (laughs) So that's nice. I mean, it is the trend, I think, to pay people for jobs like this when it's possible. If someone wants to be involved, where do they go? How do they help?
0: So if they are a young person, um then we have paid opportunities for them to participate in our programming. In 2022, we're having our civic leader program, which we actually are just about to select our our leaders. We are choosing three young people per state. But then beyond that, we have opportunities for young people between the ages of 14 and 26 uh, to be paid as civic organizers with us. And so they will work with us to uh, register and educate voters in our target six states. They can work with us once or and receive a training or they can work with us a couple of times and those young people are paid uh, at a rate of $15 an hour.
1: When you look around at organizations that you've been in coalition with or just come across in this space, who else impresses you as doing good work?
0: Yeah. One organization that I, I really love the work that they do, and they also really prioritize paying young people, is called Blue Future. They are an organization that is focused on getting young people involved in progressive causes and progressive campaigns, but they very much prioritize on really building young people up and providing them with leadership skills and really just focused on on how do we help young people become in position. Power. Is
1: that Nick Guthman's organization? Yeah. Yeah. I talked to him on the podcast back in 2018. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, they are still at it and they're doing great work. Um, and they're one of, uh, they're one of our partners in the organized for democracy collective. Another one is future coalition. I don't know if you've spoken with anyone on their team, um, but they are awesome. They do a lot of uh, organizing work within youth groups.
1: That's Katie Ader, or is she still there?
0: Katie Ader, and then they also have a civics team, um, which is uh, led by um, some other people. They do great work um, as well. Um, Another organization that I really love is Integrate NYC. They're a New York-based organization that's um, focused on uh, addressing segregation um, within New York City public schools, but they have an incredible distributed leadership model where young people are supported by an adult administrator, but are entirely in all positions of power within their organization.
1: Well, I wish you all the luck in getting more young people registered and voting. It's definitely an important thing. Anything else you want to say?
0: No, just to, uh, if anyone's interested in in checking us out or being in touch, they can go to 18byvote.org or our social medias, which are just 18byvote or 18by.vote. And we are really looking to bring young people in and also bring people of all ages into the movement of supporting youth voices in political and civic spaces.
1: Thanks much, Ava. Good to talk to you. You too. That was Ava Mateo. She is at 18byvote.org.